Good morning. The scripture readings will be from John 1, 11 through 13, Galatians 3, 26 through 29, and Galatians 4, 6 through 7. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision or husband's will, but born of God. So in Christ Jesus, you are all children of God through faith. For all of you who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. There is neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, nor is there male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. If you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. Because you are his sons, God spent the Spirit, God sent the Spirit of his Son into your hearts. The Spirit who calls out, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but God's child. And since you are his child, God has made you also an heir. This is God's word. Please be seated. Our Father in heaven, we are so grateful that you love us. We freely acknowledge that we do not deserve the love that you have poured out toward us. Father, we pray that in your grace and your mercy, you might continue to forgive us that you might continue to work in our lives and build us into being the people you would have us be. Heavenly Father, we freely acknowledge that we are fully dependent on your mercy and grace. Please give us today what we need. Please keep the evil one from us. We pray, Heavenly Father, that you will be glorified, that you will be exalted through our lives. We pray that together, as we sing songs and pray to you, that our hearts might be turned toward you. And Lord, we, we pray for ears that will hear your message and eyes that are open to see it. We ask all these things in your son's name. Amen. God loves you. Today, we're looking at the idea of the God of new beginnings. This will be a ho-hum sermon. If you have never needed 
a new beginning. If you have never been broken or are not broken today. In the Gospel of John, John tells us in chapter 9, verses 39 and 40, about a time when Jesus met some people who rejected his suggestion that they needed his help. In essence, they were saying, we are not broken. They felt confident about themselves. They felt confident about how they perceived their spiritual situation and how they perceived spiritual matters. They thought they did not need Jesus. Jesus called them blind. If we, however, are honest and perceptive, all of us realize we have been or are broken. Many sources lead to human brokenness. There can be abuse, injustice, tragedy. These things might shatter our dreams. Then reeling from the hurt, we might respond with bitterness, unforgiveness, faithlessness, or revenge. Although God has blessed us with bountiful provisions, we might succumb to the temptation to live as though we can build lives based upon ourselves or this world or other people and a person, a spouse. It might be that pride swells our hearts with feelings of self-sufficiency and superiority, fracturing us. Desires and bad choices unleash destructive habits. Lies can distort our attitudes and behaviors, obscuring our minds from the beauty that God has created and intends for us. The bottom line is, all of us have sinned, thus falling short of God's glory. And until we are whole, we might live in denial or despair or attempt to achieve wholeness through the created order. This is us. Contrary to what we might expect from holiness, contrary to what we might expect from one who is holy, Jesus befriends us in our brokenness. He welcomes us in the midst of our pain. He welcomes us at that time when we realize we are not the people God made us to be. Nearly two millennia ago, 
Jesus chose to eat and to fellowship with people who had made bad decisions and destroyed their lives. He spent time with those that society would marginalize. He ate and he fellowshiped with religious leaders. He fellowshiped and ate with people who denied that they had any spiritual deficiency. When Jesus rubbed shoulders and welcomed all types of people, he showed that he cares about all of us, regardless of what has broken us. The letter of 1 Peter has sometimes been called a handbook for Christians. It certainly provides some very practical information about how to live and grow as a Christian. Accordingly, we should not be surprised that one of its topics involves reminding God's people how God enables us to have a new life. Listen to how Peter describes it. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. By his great mercy, he gave us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. That is, into an inheritance imperishable, undefiled, and unfading. It is reserved in heaven for you, who, by God's power, are protected protected through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. He would then go on to write, Through him you now trust in God, who raised him from the dead and gave him glory, so that your faith and hope are in God. This new beginning God gives us It gives us genuine hope. And what Peter has described is more than a second chance. Let me ask you a question. First, did you know that the world record for powerlifting is 1,036 pounds? That's a lot of weight. So with the world record for powerlifting being 1,036 pounds, and let's pretend that you have just tried to lift 1,500 and failed, would you like another shot at it? Would you like a redo? Don't give me another shot to do something I can't do. Don't give me a thousand temps to lift 1,500 pounds. It's not going to happen. In the same way, don't give me just another shot at living life. Because we're flesh and blood. And we're not going to do it if you give us a 1,000 shots. For us to have genuine hope, we all need a new beginning, a new beginning that is more than just another chance. We need a new type of life. 
We need more than just wiping the slate clean and say, do it again. When God gives us a new birth, God does more than just wipe the slate clean and say, here, I'm going to let you try it again and let's see what happens this time. I'm going to give you another second chance. He gives us more than a second chance. He gives us a new type of life that comes with real hope. By God's great mercy, he gives us a new birth into a life whose destiny is not measured by the righteousness that we can generate. Rather, the destiny of the new life is tied to what has already happened, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And with the new beginning, God provides as a gift we can expect an imperishable, undefiled, unfading inheritance in heaven. And we can know that this is the end of that new life because God has already raised Christ from the dead. And he will raise us with him if we belong to him and have that new life. The new beginning God provides us gives us a confidence regarding what we can expect we live with the anticipation of an inheritance that is embossed with our names. It is reserved in heaven for you. We can know the end of the new life. God has already raised Christ. And if we have this new life that God gives, then he will raise us, and we will have that indestructible inheritance at the end of time. This is us. And this is who we will be, heirs. But there's more good news about the new beginning God has given us and can give us. Not only does it provide hope for tomorrow, our, our new life also changes who we are today. Our rap sheet is long. Oh, the details may vary from person to person. They, they might include being impatient and hurtful. We were self-centered and selfish and we wanted things done faster and, and we wanted them done this way and it all came out and we hurt family members, friends, neighbors. Perhaps we've lied, and it doesn't matter if it's big lies or little lies, we've lied and we're broken. There may have been addictions, and those addictions have crushed our hearts, and, and with that comes self-loathing, and, and I hate my life, and, and Satan just loves that. Because the, the more that, that we feel defeated, the more he can take that and beat us with us and, and knock us down further and further so that we will resist even less. At times we may have harbored grudges against those who have hurt us. Has there been jealousy about what someone else has about, about the, the smooth path that someone else has had? Has there been bitterness about what we have experienced? Has that resided and pierced our hearts? Our rap sheet is long. 
did self-centeredness and the, the pride of life. And, and look what I have done. Swell in our hearts to make our hearts become ugly and not look like what God wants in people. The details may differ, but our rap sheet is long. All of us are broken. God's new beginning for us frees us from the weight of whatever it is that has broken us because it provides cleansing now. It sets us free from the burden of that guilt and it continues to cleanse us and set us free. As Peter pressed further into writing this letter of 1 Peter, this handbook perhaps for new Christians, and describing the new life that God makes available, he associates this new beginning with our souls being cleansed. Now that you have purified your souls by your obedience to the truth, you have been born anew. And the word translated purify here is agnizo. Its fundamental meaning involves cleansing and purifying. And furthermore, this verb is in what's known as the perfect tense. The perfect tense means that, in this case, the cleansing is completely done. It's 100% done. You don't have to do anything. It is accomplished. The souls have been 100% cleansed. No more is needed. God's love is taking care of our deepest needs. And not only are we born into a new life where we can know it leads to that indestructible inheritance reserved in heaven for us, but also with this new birth, we are completely cleansed. The guilt of the past is removed. What makes possible this, this liberation of our souls? We might focus on one very true answer, but there are, in fact, two answers. You know that you were ransomed from your empty way of life inherited from your ancestors, not by perishable things like silver or gold, but by precious blood like that of an unblemished and spotless lamb, namely Christ. Now that you have purified your souls by your obedience to the truth, you have been born anew, not of perishable, but of imperishable seed through the living and enduring word of God. Birthdays can illustrate the two sides of what it makes possible, the cleansing of our souls. Birthdays are wonderful celebrations. Children often get especially excited. So what happens? Well, first there's those invitations. They go out. And there's this invitation to the other kids that will come to this birthday party. And then they buy gifts. No, that's wrong. The parents buy the gifts. But the gifts are purchased and they're wrapped. And the kids, they bring these gifts to the birthday party. And there's, they're stacked usually somewhere over on a table on the side and the birthday party goes on. And then at some point during this birthday party, that boy, birthday boy, or that birthday girl is given one of those gifts. 
and tears apart that paper and rips into that gift. And this is my new whatever. And they receive that gift. And so for that child, why does that child have a gift? Well, well, two things happened. One, a gift was bought and brought. And it was put here and made available. But the other reason that child has the gift is because those, that paper was torn apart and the child receives it and accepts and takes this gift for oneself. In the same way, Jesus' blood is God's gift to us. It makes possible God's new beginning for our lives in ransoming us and cleansing us and, and with his death and resurrection making, making possible that promise of where that life ends. But for us to have that gift, we can't leave it just sitting over there of what God has done. We must open that present up and, and receive it and accept it. We must obey the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ for us. Peter's words, by your obedience to the truth and through the living and enduring word of God, remind us how God reveals the gospel to us. I love nature. From nature we gain great inspiration. We can learn a lot about what is true. Have you been in the Sierra Nevadas? Yosemite? Have you seen that great rift in the ground that we call the Grand Canyon? Have you been down to the Gulf, sunset, and seen just incredible beauty as the sun descends? In our calendar, we've got something called a new year. Have you ever, on December 31st and January 1st, drawn a line in the sand? I'm leaving all of that behind. I've got for the new year, I'm going to do things differently. However, these experiences are limited to what we psychologically do within ourselves. None of these things connect us to God's power to transform us, to cleanse us, to remake us, and to give us hope. It is through God's word that the creator unveils the story, unveils his power, and he teaches us about it to work within our lives and to do something within our lives that comes from beyond us. Something that he can give us. He can give us a new birth with a cleansed soul and a bright future. And so Peter writes to the reader who has obeyed that timeless truth that message about Christ who died for us and has been raised up again, he says, you have been born anew. This is the same Peter who told the crowds how to obey the, that truth that Jesus had died and whom God had raised. The same Peter who wrote in 1 Peter these things is the one who proclaimed Christ, gave that first gospel sermon on the day of Pentecost in Acts chapter 2. 
Oh, let's not run too fast past his sermon to get to the conclusion. Remember what he said in that sermon. He's going to go to the Psalms. And he's going to say, let me tell you what the psalm says about the Messiah. The the psalms say the Messiah is going to subjugate and put his foot on his enemies. Let me tell you also, Peter says, what the psalms says about the Messiah. God's not going to leave him in the ground. He's going to resurrect him. And because of these two things, we suddenly see it is very important to respond to Messiah, to respond to the Christ. Because those that are opposed to him, those that are not with him, he is going to subjugate and put his foot on them. One, and two, God has shown who he is by raising him from the dead. And the crowd is listening to this, and they have just cried not too long ago, crucify him, crucify him. And and they are rightfully concerned, and their heart is hurting. And they say, what shall we do? What can we do? All they can see is the Messiah crushing them. What can we do? And Peter tells them, you need to change your lives. You need to change how we're living. Repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. When someone responds to the gospel, God cleanses a person of their sin. It's his power. And God's power takes them and gives them a new birth into being a new creation, a workmanship that he has made through Christ Jesus. He gives them a new life that Christ has made possible. And this is why the language of the new birth and becoming children, becoming those babies in Christ, is associated and tied up with trusting in Christ and being baptized. As Paul would write in Romans chapter 6, We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death. There's an old life that we're dying to. In order that, just as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too may walk in newness of life. Galatians chapter 3 and verse 26, one of the texts that was read earlier. So in Christ Jesus, you are all children of God through faith. You've got to trust in Christ. This is not something that can be done to you. This is not something that is like magic. You've got to trust in Jesus. But then he goes on to explain how the Galatians responded to Christ, how they responded to the gospel. For all of you who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. Paul again would write in Titus chapter 3 and and verse 5, he saved us, not by works of righteousness that we have done. It's not who we are. We can't save ourselves. No, he saved us through the washing of the new birth and the renewing of the Holy Spirit. And so God gives us a new beginning. Our God is a God of new beginnings. He takes what we cannot do, 
He remakes us into being his people. Gives us a promise of a hope that's eternal life and it's embossed with our names waiting for us. He cleanses us in this life and keeps us clean as we live for him. And as we read First Peter, we also discover that receiving the new beginning that God gives us also calls us to action. When God gives us a new beginning, he gives us a life, a life of love. And, and we're to live out that life of love. Now that you have purified your souls by your obedience to the truth into, and this is where we've received, into a genuine mutual love Here's how you respond to what God has given you. Love one another deeply from the heart. You've been born anew. You see, you're a new person. You you live under new management. You're going to do things in new ways. You've been brought into a life of love. Now you need to live that out. You've been born again, so love one another. And what has caused all of this is the gospel. And with the new beginning, God also tells us something else to do. We are to get rid of the old life. A couple of verses later, Peter would write, So get rid, because you are these new people, have this new birth. Get rid of all evil and all deceit and hypocrisy and envy and all slander. He goes on in 1 Peter to describe more of, of what God's people should do. Now that they have a new beginning that God has given them, we're called to be thirsty, to learn more about God's ways and study his word. Like newborn babies, Peter would write, crave pure spiritual milk so that by it you may grow up in your salvation now that you've tasted that the Lord is good. God provides meaningful service for those who have received this new beginning. Peter continues then, You are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people of his own. You're this new people he's made so that you may proclaim the virtues of the one who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Oh, these are not all of the characteristics of the the new life, but these are some of them. And these are some that Peter would give to early Christians to help them focus upon as they're growing up in Christ, to be the people that God wants them to be with the life that he's given them. All of us are broken. Jesus says that he came to help people who know that they're broken. He came to bring wholeness. He came to bring them life. In his words, he came to help the blind see. And it's on account of Jesus that God can give us a new beginning. Our God is the God of new beginnings. He loves us. And he wants us to have the new beginning he's made possible. But like that 
like that child at the birthday party. We can't leave the gift there. We've got to take it and rip the package open and, and take what God has made available. That new beginning, it comes with an expectation of an indestructible inheritance in heaven. That new beginning he gives us comes with cleansing that our souls may be forgiven and pure and holy before him. And we continue to live in that state before him. We, we don't have to allow things to beat us up about the past. We, Satan loses his tool of the guilt and the weight and the shame and all of that of the past because the blood of Christ is more powerful than that. And we're set free to begin to live. And the new beginning comes with a call to action. This is us. And if you've not yet relied upon Christ, this is who you can be. We're going to have some shepherds down here. And if you have not yet given your life to Christ or if there's prayer concerns that you have or would like to speak with them, come now while we stand and sing. I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus.